good morning, Bob. It's good to be guest. here. We have, we do have a special guest with us. Uh, as most of you know, Dr. Holm, uh, well, you may not know, he's having surgery this morning, but uh, we're, prayers and kudos and whatever we can send out to Dr. Holm. Trust the surgery goes well. Uh, his guest today, or my guest today in the studio, is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, who's a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and a fellow physician with Dr. Holm. Good morning, Joan. Good morning. Do you have any updates on Dr. Holm? Um, I, I do not. I mean, yeah, I know he's having surgery today, and we all, of course, wish him the best with that. And uh, got to see him this weekend, and he sure looked to be in good spirits, and he's got a good attitude, and he stayed active, and he's still running, and he's, you know, done all his chemo and radiation. So um, he and he looks great, really. And so I think he'll he'll do well, but it's a big deal. It's a big surgery, a Whipple procedure, and and we uh, wish him the best. Did you happen to catch the program Thursday night? Do you know I was out of town and I've taped it. I did too. So I know Dr. Ellsworth saw it. I it did. was one of the better ones yes. that he's yeah. ever done because it, yep. it came from his heart. Oh, right? it must have. Yeah. Yeah. It, I knew was, what he had planned yeah. to it do. It was touching. Yeah, so. it, people can probably go on, on the internet and search for that, and I think it's available on It there. is archived. So, on the archived uh, on call Healing with the Words Prairie Foundation. Doc, on Healing call Words Foundation. Yeah. If you check, if you check out online, if you go with the Prairie Doc online, or you go to um, Healing Words Foundation, any one of them should have that program archived. It was just excellent. He was discussing exactly what he's going through, you know, and mm-hmm. living with it. So mm-hmm. we we trust he will do well. And now on a high note, we have Dr. Andrew Ellsworth here, and he knows Bob quite well. <laughs> he is oh boy. Bob's primary. <laughs> Better than Bob wants to be known, right? right. Yeah. But uh, Dr. Ellsworth, what's on your mind today, other than Bob and his health? <laughs> well, and, and other than Dr. Holm again, yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, well... Um, you know, I, the show, uh, they had re- recorded it uh, earlier in January, and it's going to be about heart disease. So Tomorrow night on television. Tomorrow night, night. on television. So um, so that'll be uh, something we can certainly talk today. I do see a stack of questions here, too, so we can get to some of those Well, that would be great. Well. Maybe we should take our first break. We'll take our sur- first break. We do have some questions that have come in. Uh, some Bob got by email a few others were left over from last week so if you have a question of us give us a call at 692-1430 and we'll be back right after these words welcome back to prairie doc radio i'm joan hogan with me in the studio today is dr andrew ellsworth who's a family practice physician with the avira medical group brookings uh dr ellsworth as you mentioned earlier the uh television program tomorrow night thursday night in south dakota public television will I have a host, our local Dr. Um, Kelly Evans will be the host of the program and she will be hosting two heart specialists from Sioux Falls who are going to be talking with the trouble with our amazing heart. What do you have to say about our heart and things that can go wrong? Well, first I want to say Dr. Evans will do a great job. She's been on there at least once before and and she's originally from Brookings and she's been a, a, a a great addition to our clinic and great to work with. So, uh, if anyone's looking for a new doc, uh, Kelly to, Evans that, is the that'd one. be a great, great, great option for you. We had but the benefit of having her on our program too in the past month, and really perfect. enjoyed having her. Yes. Yeah. So, heart disease, you know, leading cause of death um, in pretty much the whole world and 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 globally. Um, in fact, leading cause of death everywhere but Africa, and of course, Africa has their own problems to worry about too. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, this encompasses heart attacks and strokes and uh, peripheral artery disease. That's when your vessels in your leg get uh, clogged up, too, and that can cause pain and infections and sores and issues, too. Um, so, you know, it comes down to uh, prevention is the best key. How to protect your heart. How to protect How to your heart. to prevent all these problems that can go wrong with your heart. So what can you do? Well, I think I'd be amiss if I didn't, or if I didn't say exercise first. I think. Well, especially I think Doctor Holm would <laughs> <laughs> get me he if I didn't, right? Push so exercise. exercise is key, and uh, really they recommend in a week two and a half hours total of exercise, and it doesn't have to be running. You know, just being active out there, walking, getting some exercise in. And when you divide that up, that's really not much time per day. No, it isn't. And, you know, I know some people think, oh, I do, I work around the house. I don't think that's quite the same. Yeah. I think they really have to determine, even though I do a lot, or I've, if I'm at work, um, you know, I'm back and forth from my desk to somebody else's desk. That's not really exercise, is it? Right, right. Yeah, people talk about I'm active at work all the time, you know, and, and but then when they start implementing exercise and I see their cholesterol numbers improve and I see their blood pressure improve and I see their weight improve, it just goes to show, yeah, actually making that extra effort to be to exercise really can make a big difference. So, so that goes to, yeah, blood pressure control is important. Watching your blood pressure, getting that checked. If you haven't been screened and had your blood pressure checked, to get that checked because that high blood pressure really does a number on your heart and your vessels. And so we want to keep it down around, oh, around 120 over 80. Um, if it's staying above 140 over 90, um, then we should probably do something about it. And uh, sometimes you might have a, a, a disease where we want to even try to keep it lower. Okay. But at least, you know, the 140 over 90 is really an alarm. You really have to do yeah, something about yeah, it. Yeah. And it's pretty simple to control it because if you do have high blood pressure, a lot of times your lifestyle can change the blood pressure, but also there's very um, minimally, minimal medications you can take that will really make a big difference, yep. aren't there? Yep. Um, and of course, diet is key too. You know, a low salt diet can be helpful for blood pressure in general. Of course, eating higher fiber foods and fruits and vegetables are, are important for your heart. Um, you know, the, the meat and potatoes diet isn't isn't what it used to be, isn't recommended as much. Not that it's bad, but you know, everything in moderation. Right, absolutely. Well, we, while you were talking, we had someone call in about, we talked about exercise, and the caller, we do appreciate your call, uh, wants to know, what do you think is best for working, either working out with weights or working out on a treadmill? Which do you think is better for exercise? Um, really, they're both good. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to get that heart rate up. Um, so that's where the treadmill work is helpful. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, working on that muscle, uh, on that muscle tone and uh, strengthening with the weights and that's good for your bones too. I mean, that, that's a They're good idea good. too. So it's a good yeah. mix. You know, it's just like in everything in life, everything in moderation and a good, a well-balanced, uh, exercise regimen is going to be good. Just like a well-balanced diet and a, a balanced lifestyle. I'm curious too, when she mentioned treadmill, I never feel like get the grade of an exercise in a treadmill, but if I get an elliptical, I like it better. Is there one better than another or just one appeals to me more? 
I think it's whatever you're going to enjoy doing so that you can keep doing it. Okay. Because now for one thing, if you've got arthritis issues or, or whatever else. Um, and so if you, if you find the elliptical is easier on your joints or your knees or something, maybe that's better than on the treadmill or maybe that's swimming probably is why better. It works better for yeah. me. I do have a bit of arthritis problems coming and going, but the, the elliptical always just feels better. I get on a treadmill. It's like clomp, yeah. clomp, clomp. I never feel like I'm getting anywhere. And, and you may, find pool therapy and pool exercise to be helpful it may may sound like a lot of work oh my goodness getting over there and Putting so on, on but, right. but in the end so many people love it you know and and that helps to take the weight factor out somewhat because you're in a pool and you're and you don't have uh, as much stress on your joints that way okay so. so really there isn't a better or best there's whatever works for you whatever will keep you exercising yeah. too yeah if you if do something you hate you're probably not going to continue doing it right i don't want to avoid the question though so i guess okay. i would prefer um maybe the treadmill over working out with weights to get that heart rate up to help exercise your heart because that we're talking about heart now how yeah. to protect your heart what, <laughs> what else do you have to suggest for heart have we covered it all um yeah, we talked about blood diet. Pressure, we diet. talked about blood pressure. We talked about uh, um, exercise. We talked to, and, and diabetes, getting screened and checked for diabetes because that's a leading uh, cause of heart disease too. Is is uh, not uh, is having diabetes and so high blood sugar problems, okay. and uh, so we want to make sure that's checked for and under control too. A lot of times, blood pressure is a um, what do they call it? A secret killer, or people don't know that they have a blood pressure problem. Yeah. Traditionally, women will get to a doctor more often. They, are, they might be childbearing age, different problems that they, they will see a doctor more commonly. A man can go 20 years without ever seeing a doctor, or maybe longer. Yeah. And so how do they know if their blood pressure is up? What would be some symptoms for them to watch for? Or should they see a doctor more often well, than they do? Yeah, they might not have any symptom. Um, headaches, ah. blurred vision, um, even fatigue, even, uh, and, uh, um, I just say, you yeah, just yeah, wish yeah, guys would get in more often. Right. Don't you? Right. right. Yeah. You know, and, and whether you just stop at high or Walmart and check your blood pressure there or find a screening somewhere or That's pretty um, simple. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times the insurance, if you, if you have insurance, will cover that preventative exam, that physical where it's fully covered because they want to find these problems early become before they become an issue. Correct. Bob? Dr. Ellsworth, let me ask you if I could. What's your thought about uh, daily aspirin regimen for heart health? You know, um, there's there's some uh, limited evidence for for that to be a benefit in um, men and women around the age of oh, around 50, 55 till about 65 or so. Um, so that's in where those just 81 milligram, the quote unquote baby aspirin. Now, don't ever give it to a baby. <laughs> um, it's a low dose low aspirin, dose. um, and, uh, that can help just kind of thin your blood just a little bit and help decrease your risk of stroke or, or heart disease as well. So it can be beneficial. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of information on how to keep your heart healthy. We're going to take our next break. Any questions you might have of Dr. Ellsworth, give us a call at 692-1430. We'll be back right after these words. 
welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. Dr. Holm is unable to be with us, and we do have Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, who is a family practice physician with the Avera Medical Group Brookings. We've been discussing heart health and how to keep your heart healthy. And Dr. Ellsworth, you had one more thing. One to more say thing about, about aspirin. You know, in, oh, it, aspirin. Okay. Uh, yeah, just you know, maybe it's best to even talk to your doctor about it because there's all sorts of risks that can be involved with. Um, hard on your stomach or, or even bleeding issues or hard on your kidneys possibly, you know. So there's risks involved. So it's good to kind of weigh it and talk about it with your doctor whether they would recommend aspirin or not. Okay, good words. Now we did have some questions that we were going to get to. The first has to do with leg cramps. This caller is a gentleman in his 70s. I get a lot of leg cramps at night. I drink tonic water before bed. That supposedly helps. I use stop pain on my legs. What could be causing the pain or cramps? And is stop pain safe for nightly preventative use? Do you know what stop pain is? You know, I'm sorry. I don't know exactly it's, uh, offhand. just something that they wipe on their legs. I'm trying to think. Um, prevents the pain. I don't know okay, how to explain like it. Like aspirin or something, something like, like that. that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, along that line. Probably... Uh, you know, if it helps, great. Um, you know, leg cramps can be so difficult sometimes. Sometimes it can be easy fix. Maybe potassium pills sometimes are helpful for some people. It may be having seen your doctor and getting a couple electrolytes checked. Maybe if their potassium's off or their magnesium or something's off, sometimes that's a factor. Um, sometimes it can be a blood flow issue sometimes. So having that checked by your doctor too. Uh, it, it, uh, blood flow in your legs can be helpful. Um, stretching before bedtime can be helpful. Um, and, and of course, once again, going back to exercise again. Uh, but okay. uh, uh, sometimes those compression stockings during the day could be helpful. You know, it's there's a lot of things. There's so many things, and there's it, it, and it. not every solution works for everyone or helps for everyone. But have uh, you ever heard of tonic water for leg cramps? I f yeah, I think I've had a couple of people not too. It's Just worth a try general. anyway, yeah. yeah. But that, that might help. Yeah. Hmm. Stay, staying hydrated in general is probably good. Okay, idea. but overdoing aspirin cream type product is yeah, it a problem? Yeah, I mean, or use is? it as directed on the label. Okay, don't overdo it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, while we were talking, we had another call about the heart that came in. A 66-year-old woman asked, baby aspirin for the heart is there an ending age or can i take it forever she's 66 now taking the low dose aspirin right now can she take it forever and actually we're not sure are we dr ellsworth yeah it the the evidence there i mean you'll find evidence for and against and when to recommend stopping and when to when to for sure it is it's hard to say you know and and, uh, and I guess going back to what Dr. Holm does, even though maybe some recommend national recommendations might say to stop at 75 or, or whatever, um, you know, I know he's continued it well past because, boy, you know, y you don't want to have a stroke either, you know. No. Oh. So, you know, if you have a bleeding issue, well, sometimes you can recover easily from that by getting some blood or something, you know, or stopping the medication or something. But uh, if uh, if you have a stroke and you can't recover from that, from numbness or weakness on one side of the body, that can be tough, tough too. So, so it's hard to answer. It's on that. hard to answer without 
you know, seeing the patient in person and looking at all the risks and all the benefits and weighing it. And and I don't like always, and I know Dr. I don't mean to bring up Dr. Holm all the time, but <laughs> That's all right. you know, there's, there's cookbook medicine where you follow the rules, this to this and this age and this age stop. Well, not everyone's the same at 75 years of age or 65 years of age or, and, uh, um, so I hesitate to to have a to, cookbook recipe to, for it, right? right? Okay. Yeah. Understandably. And so then and then they change the recommendations a few years later anyway. No matter what you recommend, <laughs> there will be a change later. Yeah. Say, talking about recommending, we all know that the doctors in Brookings are very much in favor of getting the vaccines for children, the measles, mumps, uh, all the vaccines that are available for children. Uh, Bob had an email come in, and the woman wanted you to talk about the outbreak, the recent outbreak of measles, in maybe Sioux Falls or Minneapolis, uh, do you know if we've had an outbreak of measles here? And what do you think of this autism causing, uh, being caused by these vaccinations? Well, they've done several studies uh, showing that it doesn't matter if, if, if the children got vaccinated or not, the rates for autism were the same. So we really can't blame the vaccinations, and we never should have. Right. And the guy that first published that report, he's been discredited. His methods were bad, and, uh, and he got his license removed. Um, and, but he's still kind of... He's out there. Out there. And so he had even kind of talked to this... Somali community in Minneapolis that uh, were already, you know, uh, find wanting to find answers to their questions, and and they he kind of used this vulnerable community and uh, encouraged them to not get vaccinated, and then now here they are. Now there's a big outbreak of measles. It's yeah. just sad. It really is because. You know, some of us are old enough to remember when everyone got the measles and we thought it was innocuous and we were so wrong because there's so many bad things that can happen if you do get the measles. You're just so much safe getting that vaccination. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening and you have children or grandchildren, please make sure that they, your grandchildren, just make sure they've had those vaccines. And it's tough, you know, for my generation where we haven't seen it. We say, well, why would I give my child a shot for something I've never seen? It's not a, it's not a risk. But Minnesota's not very far away. Yeah. And the world, the whole rest of the world is just a plane ride away. It is. It and, truly uh, is. And it's out there. And uh, so we still need to protect because the minute we uh, all, dis uh, you know, enough people decide to, that it's not, it, they don't need to do it, that's when we're having these outbreaks. Okay. Well, so much for the measles. Please get vaccinated. Uh, we had a caller, a woman, a younger woman who has wants to ask about dermatologists. She has freckles and moles on her arms and legs, a lot of them. Her regular doctor says they should be checked by a dermatologist once a year. She questions this, whether she really should do this, because how would a dermatologist remember what each mole looked like a year ago? So does it really matter that she gets in a lot of freckles and moles? Should she be seen by a dermatologist every year? What's your thought on that? Yeah, um, you know, certainly the things to watch for is uh, moles or freckles that are growing or changing. If they're irregular in color, if they're darker, if they're um, larger than the end of a, a pencil eraser, um, if they're uh, if they're of irregular borders, um, you know, you could take a picture. 
you know, you're in charge of your own health and you can watch these things too. And so you can take a picture and, and follow the change that way and maybe show, here's a picture of Doc, what it looked like before and now here's how it is now and that can help them. You know, wow. they may not remember, but you can show them that. Um, yeah, you know, if your doctor tells you that, that, that you've got enough of them or that they want you to see a dermatologist and that seems like a- Why not listen a to your doctor? Reasonable <laughs> option. Now, some doctors would be comfortable you know, l looking at something for you. I mean, you don't right. have to be a dermatologist to look at a skin lesion and have an idea that uh, whether it's 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 good or bad or needs to get checked into. So okay, well, I hope that's helpful to her. The next caller has is concerned about a five-year-old who was waking up three or four times a week with terrible leg cramps. We're back to leg cramps, hmm. begging for Motrin to give her some relief. No massaging, walking, stretching, ice, heat, or anything else brought relief. The mother then eliminated dairy from her diet and the cramps stopped. The only time she gets them is when she has a little dairy. Most doctors that she's seen said that uh, there's no medical reason, but clearly there's a direct correlation. Do you have any ideas why dairy might cause these cramps. She does not have actual lactose intolerance symptoms, but if a person eats something that their body doesn't like, can it cause inflammation that causes the legs to cramp? She's just wondering about all this. She feels like she's found the answer with dairy, mm -hmm. but it doesn't. there's no science to really show that the dairy mm -hmm. made a difference, except she's seen her child. She doesn't have pain or she doesn't have dairy. You know, we don't know everything. <laughs> And, uh, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything. And uh, boy, if you see that pattern and that's what works and that does it, then, you know, I'd probably sti fight stick it. with yeah. that. She's yeah. really happy with it, but she just doesn't right, figure out right. why yeah, there's that's no science behind I, it. That's, yeah, that's frustrating. And I don't have a good explanation for yeah. her either. Um, but, you know, I don't know if she's ever had any, like, other allergy tests or, or something yeah, milk protein either, or, or, yeah. or they could consider that and and uh um but you know it kind of goes back to you know the whole gluten thing too and uh celiac celiac's a disease where you're you're get basically allergic to the gluten in wheat um and uh i you know i've had times where they've been tested and it was negative and it was all normal and uh, they've but they've had stomach issues and other issues, and I said, "Why don't you just go gluten free?" And they did, and it helped. And so there's there's some theory of this gluten sensitivity where they're not really allergic. You do biopsies, nothing, everything's normal, but they go without the gluten, they feel better. Now I'm not saying everyone should go without gluten, gluten either, but you know if you find something that's you find that boy this food. Or you He's know, causing it. Causing the it. dairy was causing it. She doesn't have the cramps anymore. She isn't taking Motrin, so life Doc, is good. Doc, it hurts when I t when I push here. Well, don't push here. <laughs> don't push here. There you go. Okay, we're going to take our final break. We'll be back right after these words. Hey, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening. And Doctor Ellsworth has another comment on that. Yes. The last topic the, was... The U.S. Cramps. Preventative Services Task Force recommends initiating low-dose aspirin, that'd be the 81 milligrams, used for the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease and colorectal cancer in adults aged 50 to 59 years who have a 10% or greater 10-year cardiovascular risk, are not at increased risk for bleeding, have a life expectancy of la at least 10 years, and are willing to, you know, keep taking the therapy. So... You know, I don't know if that still answers our question here. Um, 
And the decision to initiate low-dose aspirin use for the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease and colorectal cancer in adults age 60 to 69 years who have a 10, 10% or greater 10-year CVD risk should be uh, an individual one. So, I should like your original answer, Dr. Ellsworth. That is, it's not a blanket. It varies from person to person. Right. Listen to your doctor. Right. He's my doctor. I just doctor, wanted so. to give the, the official recommendation. The official, and right. <laughs> so, we, the, you know, the jury's out on, on aspirin. If it's working yeah. for you and your doctor says it's okay, go ahead. Yeah. Right. So here's a, here, this is a misconception of one of the people that I work with here who has elevated blood pressure and believes that in donating blood because they're down a unit or so, their blood pressure is going to be lower. Is that true or is that an old wives' tale? Uh, well, there's some truth to that. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, let's say someone's in an accident and they're losing blood. Yeah. Their blood pressure's down. We start pumping them with fluids and try to give them blood to get their blood pressure back up. Um, and there's some people that have too high levels of, of hemoglobin and such in their blood, and they have to give blood periodically to help decrease their risk of, of like stroke and, 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 and issues. Granted, that's, you know, this isn't a, a blanket thing for everyone. So uh, in general, uh, giving blood routinely probably isn't gonna help you the most because your body compensates. If you're just giving a liter of blood at the blood bank, your body, I don't know if that'll make that much, much of a difference. Even if it does, it's not gonna last more than a day or two. But isn't it funny sometimes the misconceptions that people labor under? You know, this person right. gets up in the morning and thinks, I'm going to get blood today, and then I don't have to worry about my blood pressure. So, well, whatever well, works. But, yeah. but you're doing it, it's good for a good cause. That's right, exactly. Doing a good thing, right, by donating blood. Right. Hey, uh, we had a, we've got time for one more question. This is interesting. An older gentleman, older, he's in his 70s, over the past year, it seems like his taste buds have dramatically changed. Fo food doesn't taste the same, rarely as good as I remembered it. What can cause this change? Are there any illnesses that, is this, that this would be a symptom of? Just a totally different change in taste of food. Yeah, there can be illnesses, yes. Um, it, a common one is medications. Um, Which would make sense. If you're on a certain sense. medication, it can affect mm -hmm. your taste buds, right? Right, yep. Yeah. Um, you know, all that hot coffee through the years can do it and burn your Come taste buds now, and make I them worse. I love my hot too. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that can do it. That affects your taste buds? Well, yeah. Aww. I mean, you know, if you're burning your tongue every day. Do you really think, Bob, we don't burn our tongues, do we? <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing because the two of us are sitting here with our coffee, happy as a lark. Yeah, uh, I do like my coffee. Just I don't, yeah, I'm d the, the point is just yeah. don't get too hot. Not too hot. Okay, yeah. keep it a little cooler. Yeah, yeah well, I don't. It's hard to answer that question too because there's so many factors and it's hard to say. And yeah. and that it, it does seem like it changes over time. Taste buds. Well, people affect. Uh, you know, even little mm -hmm. kids. Oh, I hate whatever they don't like to eat, and then five years later they like it. So your taste buds change as you grow too. Yeah. So I guess they change as you get older. Well, you know what? We've gotten older in the past half hour. I can't believe this time has gone so I fast. I don't know if we've gotten any smarter. P not possibly <laughs> not. <laughs> no, we have. Listening to you, Why we're all it? getting smarter, Dr. Ellsworth. Okay. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. As always, you can hear more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org, where you may also learn more about the exciting activities of our Healing Words Foundation. Thank you, Dr. Ellsworth, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It has been a total pleasure. And for all of you, thanks for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. And I'll close with Dr. Holmes' weekly reminder. Stay healthy out there, people.